Let's go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 16. Y'all heard this, but I'm going to talk about something different in it. We all know about Adam and Eve tempted in the, man, I'm shaking today. I just got to shake. I got to holy jog it out for a minute. Just got to holy jog it out. You know, the, the presence of God can stir you and it shakes you. And you, you can control it. You have the ability. It's not like God just makes you crazy, but you can feel it. And sometimes it's good to let it go. But sometimes when it's time to get back to the, the, the text, my body keeps going. <laughs> so it's good. It's good. Genesis chapter 3. We all know the story of Adam and Eve being tempted by the serpent to eat the Yes, the fruit. We know that story, but I want to draw something different today that's uh, often talked about, but I felt like God was telling me it's talked about in a very generic way because it's really hard to preach in a very specific way to people. So I'm going to do my best today to have you leave today with something you didn't know that you were going to learn. Genesis chapter 3. Verse 1 through 16, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. That's not good. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. I mean, it looked all right. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. That's Adam. Who, who, who's that man? That's Adam. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This was the first moment of sin being recognized, right then. That was, that was an awareness of sin being born. The Bible says the wages of sin is death and there was no sin until there was death. Oh, that's a whole nother passage here out of Genesis. It's really good stuff, but they realized they were naked and they covered themselves. So, I lost my verse. So, verse eight, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now they were scared. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Like he didn't know. He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked so I hid. And he said, <laughs> who told you that you were naked? Have you ever eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she did it. She gave me some fruit from the tree, so I ate it. She said it was okay. How many guys know how that feels? But it was just as much the man's fault. We're not going to say it's just his fault. It was both their fault. How's that? Because they did it together. Adam could have said no, God said no, but he said, okay, let it go. 
And he said, verse 11, who told you? Okay, verse 12, the man said, the woman who put you here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, so I ate it. I was hungry. Then the Lord, verse 13, said, God to the woman, the Lord God said to the woman, what is it you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate the fruit. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. We know the serpent represents the devil. We don't know if it's the offspring of the devil or the devil himself, but we know it's evil. It's not from God. That's all that matters. We know it represents Satan. Verse 15, and I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring, that's his followers to come, and heirs and and hers. Her offspring will crush your head Hmm. and you will strike his heel. And to the woman, this is what I want you to get right here. To the woman, he said, I will make your plans in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. I want to read that again. I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. How many moms we got? A lot. It's probably painful, right? Having a baby. I'm not going to tell you I know how it is because I don't. That's what I'm asking you all. I know it's severe. You can thank Eve for that. And while you're at it, thank Adam for that. Because they, uh, they, they, they started that in the garden. It's going to be painful, even though what's coming from the pain is good. The baby's a good thing, right? Isn't that so exciting when she, the baby shows up? It's so cute. But man, aren't they gross looking when they first arrive? You know, you wait to take the picture for Facebook until about an hour later. They get the, I won't even say what that stuff is on them. Ambiotic fluid and blah, 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 and cords cutting and, and stuff everywhere. The way God made it, I know, but, but it, it wasn't pretty how it arrived, but it was pretty in the end. Like my daughter, Camilla, even she looked gross in the beginning. As beautiful and perfect as she is. <laughs> Six months Tuesday, give it up for Camilla. She's already skipping church. She's already skipping church. Dad, I just don't want to go because it's humid. Oh, you big baby. Anyway, in all seriousness, my subject today is testimonies in travail. Testimonies in travail. Travail is pain, a series of pain. He says, I will put enmity, and to you, woman, you will have travail. I didn't say what I was going to give you wasn't a blessing, but how you get to the blessing is through the travail. So right off the bat, we see God do something with pain in favor of man, even though man wasn't in favor of it. Does that make sense? Right off the bat, the first book of the Bible, the first story after the creation, we see sin created, man falls, and God uses pain to take Adam and Eve somewhere. Do you find it interesting that one of the very first stories the Bible speaks of and leads us into this journey that takes us through the wilderness of pain to find a blessing. There is nothing more pure and fulfilling than the gift and love of a child. Yet, God sets the tone for Eve to endure the travail of motherhood before her first two children arrive. I'm telling somebody today, there's a story in the process of your journey There's a witness to God's power and overcoming ability to rescue in the pain you may be facing today or someone you know may be facing. 
The story of Eve's travail is God's initial institution and reminder to how we observe obstacles as opportunities. How we learn to see what's on the other side of our pain, which is blessing beyond mere material gain, but eternal gain. Our testimonies are our witness of God's goodness. And they are revealed through the travail of our journey. If you had never had any pain points in your journey, how could you witness God's goodness of deliverance? How could you taste of it and say how good it is? So I wanted to preach on this, and I thought, that's, that's a hard thing. Pain. Why do we have pain? Why do we experience pain? One of the first things I've always found very complicated to answer to someone who doesn't know Jesus is when they say, why would God who loves me allow pain? Why would they allow my loved one to get sick and have pain? Why would, they allow, allow, why would, why would God do that? They often do that. They'll, the enemy tricks them and says that God did it. I don't know every situation. I'm not God. But I know God doesn't institute pain on every situation, but he uses it. And there's a difference. He uses it, but he's not the author of it. Now, he was the author of it in this case. That was because he wanted to be a reminder to Adam and Eve of where their source was. But just because something bad has happened in your life, I want to tell you, it doesn't mean God is the author of it. God was not the author of Job's pain. He just allowed it. God later uh, redeemed, uh, pulled Job back, everything he had. He healed Job, he healed his family, he brought everything back because he allowed it to test Job's faithfulness. So there's a big difference, and I want you to know that pain is complicated, but pain is part of the journey. Pain is normal, and pain can be a good thing in certain ways. As bad as it hurts, pain can be a good thing. I remember the dumbest conversation I think I've ever had in my life. Does anybody remember these? No, not me preaching a sermon up here. No, I mean, I mean like in your own life, you remember like having like a really dumb conversation with somebody and it was so dumb. Can we say dumb in church? Oh, he said dumb. He said dumb. Oh, dumb, da dumb, dumb, dumb. <laughs> Is it better than stupid? You know, we can't say stupid. That's wrong. I was in my 20s, broke as a joke, living on coffee, Living the dream in Nashville, sitting on my buddy's couch. He'd give me free coffee every day. That's how I stayed fueled for my waiting job in the, in the restaurant. I just drink black coffee all day. And there was this person, Nolani, there was this person there. And she said, she's like, we're talking about church. And, 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 and she was saying some things. And like, she didn't understand how, like, if you could be in church, how you could fall out of church. And I'm just real with you all. I said, my family fell out of church, but we're going back to church and she couldn't understand how, how, how we were not perfect and how you could be in the ministry and not be perfect. You could be a leader for God and not be perfect. She didn't understand that. So I was getting a little annoyed with this person saying, you don't know much about the Bible. You don't know much. And so she says, she says oh, yeah, uh, also, do you believe, get ready to write down the dumbest thing you ever heard, that when you catch a cold, that's because of sin? I said, huh? Well, I heard people like you believe that if you have any type of sickness or anything, it's because of sin. I said, 
no. I said, now, can you, can you reap sickness from sin? Absolutely. But if you catch a cold, if my five-year-old catches a cold, does that mean she was sinning? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. If I'm, shoot, I don't even know. If I can sin that easy, then God help me. I don't know. If I can walk in the grocery and catch a cold and I'm a sinner, well, I need Jesus. That's okay. But I thought that was the dumbest thing ever. But, but see, she was kind of diagnosing like why there would be pain. It must be because of sin. However, it's not always because of sin. In the, in the garden, it was because of sin. But it wasn't to spite them. It was to help them. They had to have a recognition of their sin and how to overcome it. And, and Jesus actually did a, I mean, the Lord did an amazing thing back then. Yeah, it was God all along. Jesus hadn't come in the flesh, but from the beginning, it is him. There's one spirit. And God was speaking from the beginning to actually do something through that pain. Because we know who came through her seed later. The Messiah. So even though God made her experience something that she didn't really desire, a life-changing blow to the world and the devil came because of it. And that's Jesus. Generations later. But the hardest question to answer is, why do we experience pain? And there's a lot of different reasons. It's not black and white, cut and dry. It's not just because you must have sinned, so you deserve pain. No, that's not how it works. We are born in this world of sin. It's an ugly place. There's germs. There's, there's, there's you know, you catch a cold. Like, like there's disease. There's, there's, there's hate. There's all these things. And God did not create those things. That is a repercussion of being outside of the covenant with Jesus to be of the world. That's why, that's why preachers say of the world. They're talking about the flesh way, the sin way, the way that brings damage and, and destruction and, and the enemy's way. It's, it's, a, it's a sinful way. And so there's all these reasons we experience pain, but I want you to know that your pain is not a result of God punishing you. It's not like that. God looks at pain different also. God looks at this world different. God looks at this life different. We see this life, God sees eternity. If the culture could see eternity first, they'd be packing this church out. But they don't see it. God sees it. So as Christians, our job is to transition them to seeing in the spirit first. Because then they'll look at pain different. They'll look at suffering different. I'm not saying it's going to be better, but you'll know how to handle it different. Because you know it's temporary. It's temporary. This life is but a passing vapor, the Bible says. Now I promise this is going to be an encouraging message. So I'm going to get there. But every situation is unique. But we know biblically God often reveals through pain. Often. He uses pain. A union with God, when you come to the Lord and become a new, a new creation in Christ, it doesn't escape your ability to not feel pain here on earth. What it does is it now gives you strength on how to navigate those waters. It gives you an eternal guarantee that the pain is for a season. Because you've just, you've, just, you've just been accounted as righteous and become one with the Lord for eternity. But while you're here on earth, you're still flesh. And so was Jesus. And when Jesus was here, guess what he felt? Pain. Do you think it was fun up on the cross? 
No. Was it fair? No. And I hate saying that. I hate that life isn't fair. But if anybody can say, I understand, that's Jesus because he paid the ultimate price of unfairness. You getting this? So you can be encouraged by that, that it's going to hurt, but God sees the blessing on the other side. It's going to hurt sometimes. I don't like it. There's an ebb and flow. There's hills and valleys. valleys. Anybody like Torin? I don't have his moves. I might heard something. But it's the Bible. There's hills and valleys. And we will experience both no matter what. Pain, this is so good. Pain is a reminder that we can't do this alone and it makes you recognize grace. That's real good. You ought to write it down. I know y'all got photographic memories. Pain causes you to recognize grace because without pain, you don't run to daddy. How many have babies? And when they get hurt, what do they do? Mama, daddy, because they're experiencing pain and now they need grace. They need compassion. You getting this? I got the perfect illustration. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a ninja. Anybody else? Matt, Curry, I know you want to be a ninja. Come on, Cody. You're a ninja now. So we had this tree, right? Okay. We had this really cool tree. We bought this land, and it was back behind our neighborhood, but we hadn't built our house yet, but we had this really cool tree. So all my friends wanted to climb my tree, and I was really arrogant about it. I'm like, that's my tree. You got five bucks? You know? I was like, I was, and then they started, they started turning on me like Lord of the Flies. They're like, I got there one day. They were up in the tree without my permission. Says little 11-year-old Jeffy. So my dad builds this clubhouse. Dad, you remember the clubhouse? You remember falling through the clubhouse and almost breaking your back? Yeah, I do too. That was scary. That's a different story. But the clubhouse was under the tree that my dad had built. And, and I, you know, part of ninja training is to jump from as high as you can like a rabbit and just like a cat. Woo! So, so I was practicing, Felix, I was practicing my jumping skills from the tree to the ground. And I went a little further this time than normal. And my little 11-year-old knees didn't know that when you land straight on your legs on a hard ground from 10 feet in the air, guess what you're going to experience? Pain. Oh, Lord. I don't know if I want to be a ninja anymore. This is like lethal. And so, so you experience pain. And, and that gives you awareness of, like, how to be safe. Like, you got to learn how to be safe and, and where your protection's at. And, and it just reminds me of another time. We used to, I mean, we were crazy. Like, we would, blind, we would blindfold ourselves in our basements and carry nunchucks. And we'd have someone, like, throw something at us. Like, go and see if we could, like, nunchuck it out of the air with our blindfold. You know, ninja training. Anybody know what nunchucks are? Uh, they're kind of deadly. Why did I have those when I was nine, Mom? Don't know. I also had all kinds of weapons. I had the side swords. I had butterfly knives. I didn't have a Chinese star, but I always wanted one. So, so you know, those things are awesome until, whoop, right in the face. Guess what I never did again? Nunchucks. Now, I got so good at nunchucks that I had a practice pair, and you had the foam. They had the foam protection, so if you got hurt, you know, you wouldn't die. And so I got so good, I'm like, I don't need the padding anymore. So I took the padding off. And guess what's underneath? Really hard plastic that can still cut your face open and send you to the hospital. So again, my friend comes over. He's like, this looks easy. Boom, right in the face. 
We learned what pain was with jumping out of trees. We learned what pain was with hitting ourselves with our ninja weapons at nine years old, blindfolded in my basement. And we grew. We grew in what not to do. Now, again, that's a season of, uh, of uh, chastening. God has to chasten us with some pain. But not everything is chastening. Not everything is punishment. That's what I'm trying to tell you today, that pain is not all diagnosed equally. And that's really important. I've never heard anybody talk about it like that. They just talk about pain so broadly that I don't know what to do with it. So I'm trying to break it down today that you know what to do with it. Our testimonies through our travail, that's our, our pain, are revealed through the journey. It costs something to live for Jesus. This is the part that's so hard. It costs something to not live for Jesus. It costs something to live for Jesus. We can't escape the fact that everything costs something. So the question is, what is our priority for dealing with the cost? How do we manage it? Do we not do anything because there's a cost? Did Jesus quit in the garden or was he just tempted to quit? What did he do? He continued to the cross. Now, I heard for some of y'all because I've heard stories that I've never faced and I don't know how I'd handle that. But what I can encourage you with biblically is picture Jesus in that garden of Gethsemane when he was about to go to the cross and he could have either quit or he could finish. He could quit or he could say it is finished. The enemy wants you to quit in your pain because he doesn't, he knows the baby blessings on the other side. He knows that if you keep plowing anyway, the blessings on the other side. And that's a hard thing to understand when you're, I used to, when you're driving over a foggy bridge, you ever been over a foggy bridge and you can't see the other side? It's a little creepy, isn't it? When all you see is fog, but eventually when you get to the other side and the sound, the sun breaks, you get this, okay, there's something on the other side of this. You don't have to understand it. And most times we won't understand it. We'll never understand it. I found it's a lot easier with God to just say, I don't understand, that's okay. Because if you love me like you say you love me, then nothing else matters. If I gotta suffer for your name's sake and you love me and the Bible is true, then I don't have to worry about why because I know you've got it covered no matter what. Does that make sense? Come on, somebody. Are you getting this today? It costs you something, like those little $4.99 games on the tablet that the devil tries to get your kids to buy with your credit card. It costs you something. And beware of the ads, people. That's the devil. Oh, my Lord. Why are they soliciting Botox to my 10-year-old? Like, he's playing Bennett Foddy. So now he's like, hey, uh-oh, I triggered something out of Taz there. That's my son who plays Bennett Foddy. He wants to buy these add-ons. They give you the game for free, Chris, but then they want to charge you five bucks for that level or extra points. And now he's like, Dad, can I buy that? I'll pay for it. I'm like, where'd you get money? You ain't got no money. He's like, my wallet in the cabinet. 
My wallet in the cabinet. He's 10, he talks like he's 30. His voice is really deep. My wallet in the cabinet, Dad. So let me see it. I open it up. It's balling with cash. Where'd you get this money? I don't know where he got the money, but he keeps buying stuff. And I told him, I said, you keep buying these, that wallet's going to be empty real quick. I'll pay you back, Dad. Now he's trying to start the layaway system. Uh Uh-uh. Make you work for that. But when you want it bad enough, you're willing to face that it costs something. When you when you want to see God deliver people, it will cause you to get up in a world that hates the Lord. It'll, it'll cause you to get up and preach Jesus in a world that doesn't know the Lord. It'll cause you to get up and do things for God despite what you've been through. Anyway, I'm not saying it's easy, but it all costs something. And if we're willing to endure, there is a blessing. Look to your neighbor and say, there is a blessing for you. There is, but it costs something. If God put it in your place, you were made to overcome it. I know that God is the author of my race, so I'm a finisher. He's gonna help me finish it. If God designed the course and told me to run it, I can finish it. That's how I know. If God is in it, I will succeed in my travail. I will get through it if God is in it. And God is in it. When you call upon the name of the Lord, God will come to your rescue. He doesn't judge you by your past that you don't need his help. He, call, he comes to those who call. He is a rewarder of those who diligently, everybody say diligently, seek. It doesn't say he's a rewarder of those who casually seek. He is a rewarder who are diligent like, God, I got to have you. I need you in this. I can't do this alone. That is diligence. Pursue your Lord like you pursue your coffee and watch your life change. I need this. Preaching to myself, pursue Jesus like Amazon. I need this. Two-day shipping. Now they're coming at 4 a.m., creeping me out on my ring camera. Who's that? That's my box. That's a little weird, but be careful. It might be Amazon before you, you know, call the police. (laughs) Watch this. This is so good. This is so good. If we go back to verse 15 and 16, if we can put that up again, verse 15. The Lord is speaking to the serpent here and then Eve. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring, that's those who follow his ways, the enemy, and her offspring, Her offspring, he, that should be capitalized, he will crush your head. Do you know who he is? It is Jesus. This is the prophecy of the Messiah, one of the first ones in the scripture. And there's a bunch of others in in the garden. You probably didn't know that. And I won't won't, uh, make your minds explode today with all the prophecy in the garden, but it's really good. We can talk about it sometime. But he, he's saying, this is so good. He will strike, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And to to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing with painful labor, but you will give birth to children. See, God is saying right there, there's gonna be pain for Eve, but pain, pain is gonna bring the greatest blow to the enemy. You getting this? Through the Messiah. He is speaking all the way to the cross here. 
You don't know that. You just think she's talking about Cain and Abel. Yeah, and Cain slew Abel, blah, blah, blah. I forget the rest of the story. She's talk, he is talking about Jesus coming here. So you can know that there is always a blessing when God allows pain in your season, always. And he punished the devil. And even though the, the good one, Eve, she was the good one. She was the hero, right? She suffered still. And look what God did through her. Huge. It's huge. What if she had never ate the fruit? There'd be no sin. We wouldn't be here today. We'd just be floating on our clouds in heaven because we never broke union. God didn't break union. God said, don't eat the tree. But because we do something stupid, God says, I'll bring you back out again. I'll bring you out again. You messed up, Eve. You messed up, Adam. But I didn't leave you. I'm going to bring you out again. Such is man. That's what he did. That's why he had to do it. That's why he had to go to the cross. It's not a pretty story on Easter. There's no bunnies in this. It's because he had to go make atonement for the sin. Because the wages of death is sin. And there was no sin before death. So when the fruit broke, guess what happened? They started dying as people. God put a time span on their life. They covered themselves with coats of skin. That means there was bloodshed. That's the first death in the Bible. Did you know that? Because God had to make atonement for sin. So there had to be sacrifice to cover. They covered themselves with coats of skin. They hid their nakedness, their shame with coats. They covered themselves to make atonement for sin. Are you getting this? Jesus covered us with the skin that he shed for us. This is prophecy, people. This is super deep. And I don't mean to share all that, but that is so good. And no, most people don't even know that. Way back when they shed, when they covered themselves, there was bloodshed to make atonement for sin. They covered the sin with the blood. The blood. Come on, Dan. The blood. You know what I'm saying. They covered it with the blood. Jesus was the sin on the cross. The blood covered it. So just like your painful season you're in, you can tell myself, the blood is covering me. God's got it. God is revealing Jesus to someone today because of what you're facing. The subject was testimonies in travail. That's because your witness or testimony is to reveal Jesus. Your witness is to reveal only you can tell them how it feels. Only you can understand how it feels, what they're going through. I don't know what they feel. I've got my own pains. But God has a testimony for every one of us here on earth to help somebody else see the light of Christ. That's our job. That's our job. We're cashing out in heaven. That's good. But while we're here right now, our job is to bring others with us. Your witness is to reveal him. These shootings, this Yvalda, I might be saying that wrong. That was heart-wrenching. When I heard that news about those little children, it's like a dagger. There's no words, right? And I thought my life was rough. 
And I thought of all those mommy and daddies who had their first baby, maybe going to kindergarten. I have no idea what pain feels like. Now magnify that by someone else's pain and magnify that by Jesus. And, and, and not all pain is equal. That doesn't deny your pain is not valid. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that kind of pain will cause you to want to quit. Where was God? I don't know. But I know God is bigger than our carnal understanding of him. And I know God allows things. And, and there is nothing more wretched than taking a child. That is, the, the child is the fondest possession of the Lord. And so to take a child is heinous, evil. It is nothing more wretched than that. But I will not quit for those children. I will not quit preaching the gospel for those children. I will not quit because of the situation, because someone has to keep saying, God, God is bigger. God knows. And so just like your situation, you've got a testimony to share in that. You can help somebody. You may think it's not impactful. You're not the witnessing type. Don't let the devil lie to you. You are made to be a witness. You are made to share it. And whatever it is God put in you that you went through, that's what you share. That's your testimony. That's your story. And as you share your story, they're going to go, I see Jesus. I need Jesus like that in a world of darkness. And you're going to bring light to their darkness. Y'all getting this? The enemy will try to stop us, but we're going to keep preaching light in a dark world. We're going to keep preaching light in a dark world. What you've experienced becomes your story. God gave you a moment so you could give an eternity to somebody else. God gave you a temporary painful season so you could bless somebody else with an eternity in the kingdom. Isn't that good? We're going to use it for good. We're not going to let the devil win and try to psych us out and tell us we might as well quit. We're not going to do that. We're going to be fueled by that and say, God is bigger, devil. You lose. You're going to lose. Don't lie to me, devil. You try to cheat Jesus in the mountain. You think I'm going to fall for that? Jesus knew better, so I know better because I got Jesus. If y'all could stand this morning. God gave you a moment. We were called to help those who have felt our pain that only we can understand. For years, I put it off to someone else to preach the gospel. And I said, when they come, I'll join a board. And eventually God said, they ain't coming. Do your thing. Do your thing, PJ. So I said, all right, I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to go with it. So that's the same with you. Quit waiting on somebody else because they ain't coming. Do your thing. Do your thing for Jesus. Do your thing. Bless him in the drive-thru. Even this big is powerful when Jesus touches it. It doesn't have to be huge to you to be huge to somebody else. Do your thing. Look to your neighbor. Do your thing. Do your thing. Do your thing. God is using our testimony to illuminate him in the midst of their darkness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we lift up your name. We call upon your name in a world that doesn't understand you, that doesn't believe in you, that doesn't live for you.
but we know they just don't know you, God. And they need the hope just like we needed the hope. And as your church now, God, your will be done that we take this to them. Let us never become Pharisees and reject them because they don't look like us because we can remember the dirt we started in. We can remember the dirt we're still in, some of us. Some of us are still working through that door. So let us never judge somebody else, but bring them to their knees for the gospel. Let us keep preaching in a world that wants to think it's godless and doesn't exist, but we know you exist because you made the world. You made the heavens and you died on the cross for us. So how dare us reject you in a world that doesn't know you? We won't. We glorify your name. We lift you up. We, t- we, we ask you right now to touch all the things we don't even know about God and that you, you comfort us in our seasons of pain that we may not get the answer we want, but we know that you are a comforter. And by your spirit, when you come and live inside of us, we can have peace and comfort and joy and guidance knowing that you have our best interest. We give thanks for that. We are faithful to that. We're not faithful to know how because we know you. We know who. And we are faithful to who you are. Not because of what you're done or what you're going to do. We know you've got it covered. I'm not worried about that no more. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And if the house of God can say in Jesus' name, amen.